I'm Fanny. And I'm Tiffany. And we are co-founders of The Change Agents, a boutique recruiting firm focused on servicing talent and clients at the intersection of technology and communications. We started The Change Agents because we know we are stronger together and we want to change tomorrow together with our clients. We are bringing you Grounded Through Change because we love talking with change makers and finding out how they navigated major transformations. We talk to disruptors and those brave enough to challenge the status quo about what fuels their purpose, who championed them on their journey, and how to trust your intuition. We hope this podcast inspires anyone who is contemplating a change and ready to take the leap into the unknown for their highest good. We hope our guests inspire you as much as they have inspired us in navigating transitions while remaining grounded through change. Welcome to Grounded Through Change. Today, we are very excited to have Emily Anderson, who is the CEO and founder of Reframe Coaching, which is a company that aims to empower emerging leaders to identify and strengthen their aligned ambition and career. Emily has had a very interesting career trajectory. She first started as a middle school teacher. Um, She then pivoted into sales and she also worked as a recruiter. She has a very holistic coaching style and is very active and collaborative. She utilizes targeted workshops, customized frameworks, and one-on-one sessions to help individuals tap into their power and navigate change. She's a certified teacher and facilitator through Stanford University's Applied Compassion Training Program, and she has a teaching degree through Indiana University. Um, So we are super excited to have her here. Emily, thank you so much for being here with us. I would love to hear more about how you navigated change through such an interesting background. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, And we were just chatting before the podcast got started and how we have so many different kind of connections. And isn't that kind of always how it works out? Um, Is that kind of like-minded people always gravitate towards each other, which... um, kind of leads me into my background uh, when it comes to like my, my professional background, if you will. So yeah, I get, it does, it is, I think you're like, she has an interesting trajectory and it is an interesting trajectory where it's like, I was a middle school teacher and then I got into sales and now I'm coaching and it's like, it looks a little manic. So I just want to like call that out from the beginning. (laughs) Uh, but to me, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, the reason why is because it's just like all these different parts of me that I've wanted to explore to try new things and then bring them together, uh, which is kind of what I'm doing now. So, you know, I, I have always like every single one of those like tests that you take, like I've always come up as an educator or a facilitator since I was young. And I just love people. I love helping, like being of service is kind of like in my blood. It's like oxygen to me. And I, I love teaching. Um, I actually recently hosted a workshop on burnout, uh, breakout from burnout. One of my former students came and she's like, I'm calling you by your first name. That's weird. I'm like, isn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> here I am 40. She's like you know, in her thirties, you know, and it's still like, we, we're, we're just like, um, you know, still kind of go back into those roles. But, you know, I loved education. It was a great seven years, but I, I like money. I like nice things. Um, and let's just, I'm going to call a spade a spade education. Like this, it breaks my heart. Teachers are not compensated the way that they should be for the amount of work and the amount of care that goes into it. And I worked in a great, great, 
great district, top tier, one of the best in the nation's full stop. Great colleagues, great teachers, great administration. And I still, you know, you're still like, didn't have air conditioning, right? Um, And we're like in the classroom, you know, in June, the kids are coming in from gym class and I'm like, how am I supposed to teach, right? And then I get into the corporate world, by the way, and now they have air conditioning now. Like that was like a then problem, like back in like early, you know, 2000 now, you know, I know that they're taken care of. Um, And then I get into the corporate world and they're like throwing money at you. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, you're going to pay for lunch. You know, I couldn't even get a free cup of coffee when I was a teacher. Um, And like, I literally couldn't, like, couldn't believe what was available to me. Um, but I will say it was it was hard. When I left teaching, it really was a huge leap of faith. And I had to half my teacher salary because I did it when um, the economy was tanking. And I want you to think about that. Like I had a half my teacher salary. Like teachers are not paid well and I still had a half it. But what it was, was I, I believed in myself. I bet on myself. And I knew if I got into a position where I could work my way up, I would be okay. And that's exactly what I did. So I got myself into a commission-based role, worked my way up. I was a recruiter, got into sales, management, training. Um, and then I decided I, I love the services. You know, I know that that's what you ladies do. Um, I love recruiting. I love working with um, companies. And I kind of felt like a little bit like a matchmaker. Um, and really being able to listen to, you know, what the client's needs were and being able to solve for those needs with people. And it really, it's such a dynamic sales cycle because people are, um, you know, people are people, they're unpredictable and um, there's nuance there, right? And being able to get in there and really problem solve, you know, you have this problem, but there's an other element of like the people aspect and how people like, things are going to gel and work together. So it was really dynamic. Um, But I did want to try getting into services. And so when I went from the consulting recruiting world into product, um, oh, sorry, I said that wrong. But when I got into product, um, I had a half my salary again. And like that was a hard, hard to swallow. And I was, um, I had just gone through a divorce at the time. And when I got a divorce, I would gave my ex everything. Um, I walked away with the pots and pans, um, my duvet and my freedom. And so I really had to start, start from scratch. I was staying with a friend on like a, her trundle bed, you know, like, you know, and like, meanwhile, I was like, could not have been happier and more grateful for all of it. And I was able to really kind of start over and I wasn't starting from scratch. I was starting from experience. And even though I wasn't getting paid as much, again, I was able to bet on myself. And I knew that like, I'm like, just get me in the door. Like, I got this. Just get me in the door. I'm going to bet on me. And I worked my way up. And so I started, um, I opened up the DC office for, um, with a team there for um, Tableau. And then I was able to work myself up into a enterprise role um, in New York City. And then we were acquired by Salesforce when I was working with them and then kind of got rolled up into that. So uh, when I ended my, my traditional software corporate career, I was working as an enterprise sales account executive uh, for Salesforce, which is pretty darn good for this middle school teacher. Wow. That's amazing. So much there, Emily. So much yeah. to relate to. Where do I start? Um, I just want to like re-emphasize and point out again your willingness to take that pay cut. I think 
we interview people all day and out. A lot of them want to switch careers or start something new, um, but still looking for, you know, a pay raise or at least the same. And it's sometimes just impossible, right? Like, it's a job that you get paid for, for the level of experience that you have in that field. It's not a personal thing. Um, and people like you who understand that and who are willing to, you know, bet on themselves, like you said, um, it's just such a great long-term investment in you, in your career, in the world ultimately, because they get to experience you and, um, and that future. So I, I admire that so much. Yeah. I also wanted to speak to that too, because I have definitely taken a pay cut in my career for the right opportunity, because like you, I saw the bigger picture. I saw that giving up, uh, you know, some salary, I was going to gain very valuable experience that I didn't already have. And I knew that once I stepped into the role that I would thrive and I would kill it. And like, the minor monetary setback at the moment wasn't going to be a forever thing. And I think that it's so important to be able to see that, you know, and like, I commend you for it because a lot of people get really hung up on that when they're thinking about their career. And I think that they really shortchange themselves um, on really great opportunities that could actually set them up for their next big leap. But sometimes you have to give in order to get, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's, I think we get, and I, it makes sense because the, the, the world we're living, how we like look at the industry and our career and kind of like, I'm just going to say like my ego and how it shows up is very much so tied in the business sense to money, right? How much money I'm bringing in the opportunity that I have. And I had to really work on, okay, what does this mean about me? If I don't make that much money, does that mean that I'm less like less qualified? Does that mean that I'm, you know, not as valuable? What does that mean about me as a person? Does that make me less than? And the reality is no, like my value as a human being is not tied to a number, right? Yes. When we look about from a business perspective, yeah, yeah, there's value, literally value, right? But I have to go in get the experience and prove to them that I can do it. And then I will be compensated. And even if I'm not in the right environment where I'm going to be able to move, you know, up in that world, which by the way, when you're interviewing, those are the questions you should be asking, right? What kind of upward mobility it is? What does it look like? You know, how do I get there? Is a mentorship program available? These are the questions that you should be asking when you're interviewing and you want to have an up, upward trajectory. But the idea is you need to prove it sometimes, you know, like, you know, my clients always kind of like roll their eyes because I always use dating analogies. Um, because I'm 41 and I'm dating and it's so relevant and we've all been there, but you know, you're not going to get married after your first date. Like, let's be honest. So, you know, you're going to have to like, you know, get in there, woo them, kind of show them what, what like a life together might, might look like before the investment. And so a lot of times you can get into that mindset of like, when you're getting into a job, now that doesn't mean that you're going to go in and like take whatever they give you, but it really is about seeing the big picture and what's available and where you're going, not just this one step, but like 10 steps down the road, um, which I want to talk about like my current, my most current kind of um, career modification. I'm not even, it's like, Please. just like where, what I'm doing now. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's uh, an accumulation of like 
all the things, right? So it's like, I get to wear my teacher hat. I get to wear my sales hat. I get to wear my recruiter hat. Um, and it's about kind of getting back to what really like feeds my soul, which is helping people. Uh, but being able to take all of that experience, like, let's be clear. I'm making this, you know, sound pretty good. Like I came out and nailed it. Like, no, like I fell on my face a bunch, right? Like that's how I learn. Like I like to touch the stove a lot. I'm like, is that real? Okay. Yeah. Let me just touch that stove. Hot. Okay. Made a mistake. How can I pivot? So it's not like it's been flawless. You know, there's been some decisions that I've made that, you know, I second guessed, um, and, they actually turned out being great. And some decisions that I made that I thought were going to be like a home run and it turned out not being what I thought it was going to be. But it's all about like, when you make, when you make a mistake, you either like learn or like grow or what, you know, it's like, you need to take that information and being able to, to like transmute it into something that you can grow from. And like all of those mistakes, I'm like kind of like gathering all those mistakes and kind of like putting them in my little chest that I can then take out and then help someone else with. Absolutely. Do you have an example of something that was very hard? Yeah. So let me think about this. Um, that's a great question, Fanny. I, I would say, you know, in this most recent transition, um, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, and it's been, it was in the in the mix for a while. Like I had done this, uh, certification with Stanford that I had signed up for, which I like loved, absolutely loved. Um, I'd been talking to other people in the coaching industry, um, you know, seeing what their experiencing experience was, um, just so I can make an educated, you know, make an educated jump when it was time. And when I ended up putting in, you know, my two weeks with my company and that went great. And I was so grateful for that. Um, but I literally like, I don't know what happened, but like, I was like, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to give myself two weeks to go and relax. And then I'm going to like get into it and I'm going to blow it away and just watch out world. Um, well, it turned out that I had Lyme disease, um, at that time. And so I, instead of getting like, like, off and running, like, and like crushing it, like I thought I was going to, and like having made all these investments, like I made an investment in a coaching program to help me get going and, you know, websites and this and that. And I, I like, it's like, I couldn't get out of bed. So like I had made this decision to jump and it was like, I finally gave myself a second to breathe. And my body was like, Oh my God, thank you. Like I have been holding on so, so hard for so long that it was just like, I gave myself like a moment to actually be authentic and I was just spent. And so for like a year and a half, you know, I was supposed to be like working and like building my business. And then like, lo and behold, you know, not really. Like I've instead had to, I, I did a little bit here and there, but it wasn't like I had envisioned it and being okay with that. Um, and not having the dream or the vision of this is what my business is going to look like. These are the benchmarks I'm going to hit. This is the money I'm going to bring in. Watch out world. Here she comes. Like that was not what it looked like. And having to kind of like, uh, have the room for that and the self-compassion for myself where things weren't exactly what I thought they were going to be and, and have a grace about it and be like, okay, like, uh, I love this, 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 um, thing I hear kind of just around, it's like, you know, man plans and God laughs, right. It's kind of like, I got this, but then like the universe is like, oh, do you? Um, because like, right when you think you have everything under control, it's like something comes in and kind of like, 
gets me like wobbling. And then it's up to me to be like, okay, so this doesn't look what I thought it was going to look like. How can I be kind to myself? How can I recalibrate? And how can, when time is right, pick on the get going? And, you know, this is, I think, a beautiful uh, example of what this looks like. You know, I am, um, have been really getting my business going again in the way that I want it to. And I've been going to events and this is when I run into Fanny. Um, and I learn a little bit about what she's doing and hear about the podcast and, you know, and how aligned we are. And so, and here I am. And if, you know, this is not my plan, it was just kind of like, it just, came to me. And so these are the things that are available to us when we're open to having things look a different way than what we had originally anticipated. Yeah. I love that. Um, we make plans and God laughs, you know, sort of analogy because, you know, it's, it's not like you're not getting what you wanted. It's just looking a little different than how you thought it was going to present itself. And I commend you for taking the leap. Um, especially now in this kind of strange time we find ourselves in, you know, to take the leap and have your own business and do all the things that, you know, are really scary. And to be able to do that and fight this illness, like, I mean, talk about a superhero. Uh, that's, that's definitely a lot. Um, I also wanted to ask you, because I know you moved to the Caribbean solo as well. Where does that fit into this story? This is like you know. another tidbit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, you know, no big deal. I mean, who's who doesn't like in the middle of the pandemic pick up their life and move to a small Caribbean island? I mean, hello. We actually talked to someone. Her episode is coming out. Um, Tara, who also moved to a Caribbean island during the pandemic, and we love that story. I know. <laughs> like, I, I got the memo. I moved to Florida. <laughs> Listen, Florida is awesome too. I mean, let's let's be like all of us were like, what do we do? I you know. So, I mean, listen, here's the thing. I'm 41 years old. I'm not married. I don't have kids. This was not the plan. You know, I thought I was going to be married by 25, kids by 28, white picket fence, locked in, teacher, you know, boom, boom, boom. That's not what it looks like. And so what it can look like is, you know what? We're in a really scary time. Thank goodness I have a job. Thank goodness I have stability and financial stability. Thank goodness, you know, I am responsible for not a whole brood of people because I saw a lot of my friends really do an incredible job keeping, you know, keeping their homes, their marriages, their families afloat and doing all of this with such grace. I didn't have to worry about any of that. You know what I had to worry about? me. And that was a full-time job. So what the beauty of being 41 single, no mortgage, no kids, no, no animals even is that I can pick up my life and I can go. And, you know, I did exactly that. I was like, um, it was like October. I had a really good summer. I kind of felt like bad. Like my friends and I, we had, we bubbled up. There's like 15 of us. Right. And we were renting houses all like all over. Like we rented this huge house in the Hamptons, a huge house upstate. And we were just like, we crushed it. Like all of us were like, Shh, like, don't tell anyone how much fun we're having. Um, and then the winter started coming and, you know, the gyms weren't open. I couldn't go outside. And like, I could just feel my, I could just feel myself, you know, we're basically complicated house plants, right? Like I'm not getting the sun I need. I'm not getting the movement I need. And I could feel like my light dimming. And I was like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And so I started doing research on like where, what else where could I go? And I came across one for Grand Cayman and I love Grand Cayman. I'm a big um, scuba diver, a big free diver. And I 
apply to a program down there. So here's the wild part is like, I had to get fingerprinted by the FBI. I had to hand over all my financials. When I went down there, I had to do a two-week mandatory geo-tracked quarantine where they had me hooked up to, they had like a wristband on me that was hooked up to a phone and they checked on me to make sure I wasn't breaking it. Because as soon as I got out of quarantine, the island was COVID-free. No one was allowed in or out. And so if you, if you were granted only, I was one of only a hundred people that wasn't a resident there or um, a citizen of Grand Cayman that was actually allowed access to the island. So I lived on Grand Cayman where like I, I could go, I would go to the beach and I would maybe see like one person. It was wild. One thing I kept thinking about, Emily, I think what people often underestimate um, what is necessary for growth is leaving and ending a chapter, right? Like the new chapter is exciting and we have a vision and we go for it. And like that part, for me at least, like that part has been great. And the reason I was able to make changes. Um, but, you know, also having gone through a divorce and having this life planned out when I was 18, 19, that I did no longer want when I was in my late 20s. Um, the most difficult part there and after too was, you know, just the pain around making the decision and leaving. Um, and so I'm very curious if, if you're able and willing to share like how you have navigated maybe the, the pain or, or when you make the decision, like how, how do you deal with the most difficult part of change? I love that. And that's, that's actually something that I think a lot of people don't talk about is kind of like the grief and the pain that comes with the change itself. Um, the leaving of the colleagues, the leaving of the routine that you have. Um, I think, you know, how, I, how, how I've worked through it is knowing that, for, for me, the biggest thing is I'm a people person. I love people. People are my favorite, right? And I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about like strangers on the street. And, you know, one thing I've realized, and maybe it is because I have made you know, like so many changes is that the relationships that are supposed to come with me will. And that the good pieces of where you've been, you don't have to say goodbye to them. They might transform how it looks, you know, but if there is something in particular that you like about that one chapter, you can bring that with you and you can mindfully, you know, incorporate it into your life going forward. Um, so for me, the biggest thing, you know, was that, that people piece. Um, was there anything else, Vinny, that like was hard for you to say kind of like goodbye to when you would make a change? I agree with you. I think the people who were closest to me, our relationships have strengthened and like my support system, friends, family has just been absolutely incredible in the last five or so years through all the, these changes before too, but especially in the last five years. Um, I think obviously saying goodbye in a relationship that person, that's, that's a, a grief period. And, you know, it was my decision and I knew I didn't want to be there. Um, but um, that's probably the hardest. And with jobs too, I think I always felt that I was ready 
and just silencing and really consciously, I think the relationships that ended were with people who were very driven by fear. So whenever I would hear mm. things like, you know, no one will ever love you as much as that person did, or you will not get as paid as not get paid as much as that job, or, you know, like all of those things when it's coming from scarcity. And I mean, I think that's why we, we drive with Tiffany so well from early on too, because I always had admired, like she's a person who, who is very, you know, much understands that how you run and drive your life and the decisions that you make, like you will manifest what you want. Um, and so I very consciously just wanted to surround myself with, with people like that who, you know, are dreamers and doers and, um, and will be along that journey that interests me. So yeah, I think refining relationships was probably the, the most important. Yeah. And I also think that pain is the touchstone for growth, you know? So like, it's going to hurt, but it's also going to catapult you, you know, into this like new state of being. And not everybody needs to be along for the ride from the beginning to the end of the journey. You know, like it is okay to let go of relationships, jobs, people, places, and things that no longer serve the version of who you are in that moment. And it, that's just like a part of life. And I think that it's, it's kind of a hard lesson where we almost feel guilt or shame, recognizing that we no longer want to devote energy into growing or strengthening that friendship or being in that job or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, that's just growth, you know, in it of itself. Um, and I do believe that we have so much more control over our destiny than we think. And I do think that it all starts in the mind. And I am very much uh, abundance motivated, you know, like I am super joyful and optimistic and I don't, I don't let myself get stuck in the fear because that's not where the solution is, you know, and like wherever you focus your energy, that will always be fed back to you. That's kind of how it works. So I always try to stay like, it's all working out because it always is. It's never not worked out. even in the world. It always is. Yeah. But I also love that you're sober. I have not, Fanny and I, neither one of us drank. Like I haven't drank in almost 14 years. Um, and I, to me, I feel like, um, like I could never metabolize alcohol. Like I have insanely low blood sugar. So like I realized in my late twenties, like if I had like a glass of wine or if I like went out on the town with my friends, like it had the same effect on me to where like the next day I just felt terrible. I felt like I always give the analogy of like a screw being screwed into the ground, like because of like my blood sugar and like the electrolytes and everything just being off. Like I felt horrible. And, um, you know, I just was like, I, I, this just isn't worth it for me. You know, like, it's just not worth it. Like, I don't enjoy it. Like, I hate, like, the next day I feel terrible. And then I'm also like, I get anxious. Like, did I do something? Even though, like, I didn't do anything. But it was just like this thing that would happen, you know, where I was just like, I'm just not living my best life. This doesn't serve me. And I just decided to just give it up. And it was the easiest thing to give up. And it's also like, the 
one of the things that I treasure the most about me is the fact that like, I don't drink. Like, I don't think that it makes me any better than anyone else that does drink, but I'm just so thankful that I was able to be like, you know what? I'm not going to follow the norm. Like I'm a nonconformist. I always march to the beat of my own drum. So like y'all do you, I can still go out and like, I'm not going to be hung over the next day though, you know? And I think that there's like this big movement where a lot of people are sober curious and like doing the alcohol free thing. And I think that it's like such a beautiful thing because I feel like I am my best self not drinking, you know? And, and I also feel great. I mean, it's, to me, it's like, it's just like the best life. So I commend you because I know that you've been, you've been sober for a while too. And I love to like talk to other people. Like I see it on LinkedIn, um, you know, how people will, you know, they'll put out like, I haven't had a drink in five years or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, there used to be such shame around that. And I love that it's so, so much. shame. Yeah. There was like this shame and like, it was like a secret. You didn't want to tell anybody. And you know, and I love that now today it's more normalized. It's people are sharing about it. They're, you know, offering support and congratulations. And I think it's, it's great. And it couldn't come at a better time. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I mean, it is, um, like I, I relate to like the, you know, I relate to like the joy and the lightness of being sober, but how I got sober, it was very different. Like I, my body also didn't like it, but like I did it anyway. <laughs> um, and it was more along the lines of like, I was using it to numb out. I was using it to shut my brain. My brain is very chatty, very negative. I do have, um, kind of my factory default, um, is the waking up and having, it tends to be a little bit more negative in the morning. And I've, I, when you pour alcohol on it, which is a depressant, it goes even deeper into that, that spiral. And so what's interesting is I would use it so that I would be able to, um, to check out a little bit and kind of give myself a break, but all it would do is like exacerbate that problem. Right. Um, now, one of the things that, you know, has been a gift of sobriety is that, you know, I wake up every single morning and I can choose, you know, of how I want to live my life. Like I met, I wake up every single morning and I meditate. It is like the first thing that I do every single morning. You know, I've worked up to 45 minutes to an hour and it has been a game changer because it really gets, it, it like allows me to see, you know, what road I want to like walk down that day, right? And how I want to be able to present myself to the world and how I want to show up for myself in the world, which is the most important thing. Um, so I actually, I ended up getting sober and I've been, um, tomorrow it'll be, uh, five yeah, years, congrats. um, completely sober. Yeah. Thank you. Um, March 8th was six years of being alcohol free. Um, I, you know, a year in, I, you know, was having trouble sleeping and I was like, maybe if I smoke weed, it'll help with the sleeping, you know, indica. I mean, like, no, it was, it was, it was the exact same thing as alcohol for me, which was like, I used it to numb out. And then my biggest thing is like, I was checking out instead of checking in. Right. And so the, this uh, sobriety journey that the not drinking, um, you know, 
it's really about coming back to myself and rediscovering, you know, what my path is that, you know, that being spiritual, that being, you know, career relationships, you know, the whole picture of like, how do I want to show up? And what's interesting is that, you know, everyone's um, way of becoming, you know, maybe alcohol free, that is your journey is very different. And mine was, mine looked a lot like I was getting promoted. It looked a lot like I was moving to New York City. It looked a lot like on the externally, like it looked go- like it looked great. If you weren't in the, you know, even my friends were like, do you really think you're an alcoholic? And I'm like, well, I know that I can't meet my eyes in the mirror because I don't like who I'm becoming. So like, that's an issue and something's got to change. And they're like, well, if you're an alcoholic, does that mean I'm an alcoholic? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's for you to answer. But like, for me, it is like, it was soul sucking and I couldn't do it anymore. And like everything everything, everything in my life was like alcohol driven, right? So it's like, you're on about alcohol. You're going to museum alcohol, like movie drinks before, you know, like it was, um, it had just, you know, working in a sales environment, you know, the idea of like desk whiskey. Have you guys heard about desk whiskey? I didn't even know that, you know, that like everyone has like a thing of whiskey in their desk and they bring it out to celebrate. Like that was a big thing in my office. It's like, you would walk around the office and I'm trying to get sober. And there is like, alcohol everywhere. And I am like, whoa. But like, what's amazing is that when, you know, I raised my hand and I was like, hi, I need help. You know, um, people were there and five people on my team were non-drinkers, including the person next to me. Tell me that is not people being put into my life as guides when I needed to do one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I would, you know, it was like, I I would love to say that like the alcohol was removed and it was like, I never thought about it again. Like, that's not my story. You know, I think about it quite a lot, especially like a little glass of wine. Ooh, delicious. Like, you know, but I have to like, but I, I work on it just like, you know, I can't go to the gym and expect to like be, you know, ripped for the rest of my life. It's like, it's something that it's, it's part of my daily practice is like reminding myself that what is available to me when I'm not drinking is so much bigger and better for, for me and the people I love my purpose, you know, uh, using my what I've been given for good is so much more accessible to me when I don't drink. And so, and for these reasons, you know, I really, I dedicate myself to it every single day. And it's again, part of that meditation, part of that choice that I make of like, what road do I want to go down? And, you know, you talk about that, uh, that abundance, you know, and it's, I I mean, I don't want to speak for you. For me, it is a choice. You know, it's like, it's not just like I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to be in abundance mode, you know, like, wouldn't that be lovely? You know, and maybe some people are like that, but like, like I have range, you know, like I got, I got, I have access to the full spectrum. We can go dark, we could go bright lights, you know? And, you know, I get to, and I've experienced it all, baby, you know? And, but I also think that that's part of like, what gives me kind of my superpowers, which is like, I can, you can come here and I see where you are because I've been yes. there too right? And we, I can show you, like, let's, you want to work in a way that feels really good to you in a corporate environment where you don't have to burn out. You can be of service. You can listen to like what your, like what your body, your, your insides are telling you. You can be, you know, in alignment and still 
work a corporate Amen. job and show up for yourself and your Amen. family. Like all of that is available to you. And it's about having, you know, and realizing that you have that choice and practicing it over and over again. So, you know, that's why I started my business, Reframe Coaching, is it's about reframing how you view the world, right? I can look at my sobriety. I can look at the job changes. I can look at my divorce. I can look at all these things and I could be in victim mode. And like, by the way, sometimes it's okay to be in victim mode because you have to grieve and feel. But then once I, once I see that and once I work through the emotions, how can I take this? And how can I flip it on its head? And how can I make it beautiful? How can I help myself? How can I help others? And that's what I'm doing is I'm trying to show people how else you can show up for yourself, your job and your life so that it really is, you know, an integration of all the pieces of yourself and then so that you're in alignment. Emily, that is so beautiful. And that is the absolute perfect ending. We could be asking you questions all, all day and week and maybe schedule a part two at some point. Um, we wish you the best of luck with your business. Um, you just demonstrate groundedness and taking charge of your own future. And your clients are so incredibly lucky to have you. Um, so thank you for being with us. And, um, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, ladies, for having me. This has been a pleasure. This was Grounded Through Change by The Change Agents. We are a boutique recruiting firm at the intersection of technology and communications. Please visit us at thechangeagents.co if you're looking to scale or looking to make a change. Thank you for being with us. Please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Music was written and produced by Roman Mama. This podcast was edited by Ross Acuna.